I want you to think about the money that's in your bank account. How much do you have? You got $100? Maybe you got $200? Maybe you have $1,000? Maybe some of you are sitting here rich. Take me to lunch after this. $10,000 in your bank account? $100,000 in your bank account? Now, I want you to think about that money, and then I want you to think that in a matter of hours, 80% of your net worth, gone. Poof, gone. 80% of that money. So you got 100, now you're down to 20. You have 1,000, now you're down to $200. How would you feel if that happened to you? Well, Kanye West, maybe you heard about this, but Kanye West felt that pain in his financial heart. He lost 80% of his net worth. He, now, it's not going to hurt as much as it hurts us. He went down from $2 billion to $400 million. Now, in the grand scheme of things, okay, to Kanye, maybe not a big deal. But you can see 80% of his net worth, poof, gone. Why? Because he said some crazy things online and in this interview that he had with Alex Jones. He said some crazy things in a matter of moments, poof gone $2 billion down the drain. Well, 1.5, rather, billion dollars down the drain. We sometimes underestimate the power of our words, don't we? Sometimes we think, oh, our words can't do a lot of damage, but really, in the grand scheme of things, they can do instrumental damage to our life. And Kanye felt the weight of this because he said a few words, he tweeted some things out, and poof, 80% of his net worth, gone. The tongue is a powerful member of our body, and our words are incredibly important. We have to be able to control these words. We have to guard our speech and use our words in a Christ-honoring way. And here's the thing, guys. When we're faithful to do this, it prevents us from this destruction in our lives. But if you fail in this, if you fail to get this, if we don't understand this, if we don't grasp this today, we can bring so much severe damage, not only to yourself, to your own life, but to the people all around you, to everybody sitting next to you in this room, if you do not control your words. James has something to say about this. So turn with me in your Bibles. Let's look at James chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 3 through 12. So I want you to open your Bibles. Let's get our eyes on this text. Let's look at this together and see what James has to say about our words, about taming the tongue. James chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. He's, it starts with this. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now, James is the pastor of the Jerusalem church, so you're going to see some illustration sandwiched in the front, and then he provides explanation, and then he provides application, very much like a sermon, right? And then you see it at the end, except the illustration comes after his point. So we're going to see the first of, of two illustrations found in this, this section. He's talking about uh, uh, that bridle, the thing that the horses will bite on, now, that wasn't necessary to control the horse, right? The, con the, the horse was, was its own being. It was its own entity. It could do what it wanted. However, it was to guide the horse, right or left, or wherever the direction of the rider wanted to take it. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by small, uh, strong winds, rather, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs it. You guys know those big carnival cruise ships? 
I mean, they're like 10 times the size of the Titanic. They're massive, right? And they're guided by this small rudder. Now, the rudder's not this big, but in comparison to the massive carnival uh, fair um, uh, ships, it's a very insignificant uh, piece of the ship, but it controls the direction of where the ship's going to go. And if you see in this illustration, he gives us uh, uh, three uh, categories. Right? Look at the ships also. So we have the, 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 the ship is, this, is like our body, right? And then you have the, the pilot who directs the will. That's, that's us, our minds, our, our, our will. And then you have the rudder, which is the tongue that controls the direction of where we go. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Now, that word is not saying, James isn't saying, oh, yeah, you're going to boast in sin. No, he's saying it, it is capable of massive things, of massive good and massive bad. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So we see another illustration that James gives to us, that the tongue is like an a unquenchable fire. And he goes on to, to tell us more about that in verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. It is the capability of doing massive sin. The tongue is set among our members, and it can stain the whole body. Right? Your tongue is capable of, of staining your entire uh, spiritual life. Setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. I mean, that's a massive statement set on fire by hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison, right? So humanity has taken dominion over all of the animal kingdom has taken control of all of the animals, yet man cannot control the tongue. This is not a hyperbole. James literally is saying, you cannot control your tongue. And we'll talk about that later in the sermon. Verse 10, sorry, verse 9. With it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So we're speaking out two sides of our mouth. The tongue will do that. It can lift people up and it can bring people down. We just got done singing praise songs. We just got done singing worship songs. You're singing praises to God, and then you leave here, and you go talk trash about one of your friends, or you go talk bad about someone you don't like. That's what James is getting at here. Verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Wait a second, you just said I can't control it. What do you mean it ought not to be so? So they're obviously is a, is a uh, command to us that we need to control it, even though we can never do it perfectly in this life, with the power of the Spirit within us, if you're a Christian, you can control it to a degree, right? And you want to continue to grow in that endeavor. Verse 11, here's another one of those illustrations I was referring to. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? So you have a spring that's giving drinkable water and undrinkable water at the same time. It can't be so. Just as the same as us with our words. We shouldn't be giving words of cursing and words of blessing. It ought not to be so of us. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Have you ever seen an apple tree have a pineapple on it? No. You ever seen a, an orange tree? I, I was just at my, uh, my grandfather's house, and he has a, is a, uh, uh, an avocado tree. I didn't, I didn't pick an orange off the avocado tree, 
right? I picked an avocado off the avocado tree. The same idea is with the tongue. We can't uh, be one way, sinful, unrighteous with our words, and righteous with our words at the same time. In the third illustration he gives, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So different than the spring, but the same idea that salt water and fresh water do not exist in the same pond together. Now, what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking clearly about words and the power of our words. Okay, Roy, so how do I start, how do I start taking control? How do I start taming the tongue, as James says here in, in the text? What do I need to do? Well, we got to build this foundation. You need to first learn the power of your words, Right? That's point number one, learn the power of your words. Do you guys remember Dogecoin? Dogcoin? If you were me, I thought it was Dogcoin for years, however long that, that was around. Well, if you don't know what Doge, Dogecoin was, it was a cryptocurrency, kind of like Bitcoin. People are much more familiar with Bitcoin, right? Dogecoin was made out of a meme on the internet. Like, do you, have you guys seen that meme, the Shibu Inu dog? right? It's like the orange dog with the pointy ears, and I don't know, it makes like a silly face, and then they made a, it became so viral that they were like, hey, we're going to make a silly cryptocurrency about it, because it's unregulated, you can, when, with cryptocurrency, you can do whatever you want. Well, Dogecoin started getting some traction. It was worth a fraction of a penny, fractions of pennies, and it got to the point where it was almost like a full cent. Someone can correct me after the sermon here, but it, it got pretty high in its value, and one of the things that influenced that drive was, you guys know Elon Musk? Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, right? He's very uh, uh, active on Twitter. In fact, he just bought Twitter. Uh, and he's known for just being into these crazy things. And, and he invested into Dogecoin. And on his Twitter, he said, should Tesla accept Doge? Right? Quick tweet, question mark. Within hours, Dogecoin stock jumped 50% because of what Elon Musk tweeted on his Twitter profile. Now, you don't have the same poll as Elon Musk has, clearly. right? We don't have that poll, but the point remains, words can be powerful because they're connected to effects. Words can be powerful. God makes this so clear for us in Proverbs now, Proverbs is, is very similar to James. James, in fact, is sometimes called the, the Proverbs of the New Testament because he's focused on wisdom and godly living. In Proverbs, in Proverbs 18, he talks a lot about the speech, talks a lot about tongue. So I want you to turn to Proverbs 18. I want to look at this together. Check this out because we're going to jump from verse to verse here in Proverbs 18. So look at Proverbs 18 with me. Solomon talking about, there's always a contrast in the Proverbs of wisdom and foolishness. So clearly, I'm focusing on the foolishness of our words or the wisdom of our words. In Proverbs 18, we see that in various ways. And I want you to understand the power that your words can have, and so does God. So clearly, in Proverbs 18, we see it. Starting in verse 4, he says, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. How do we get wisdom? We get wisdom from God's word. And the more that we grow in God's word, the better our speech and the wiser our speech will be. Now drop down, okay, verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7, he says, A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Now, probably don't raise your hand at this, but any of your words got you in a fight this week? Maybe with a family member? 
Maybe a physical fight? No, 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 not you guys. You guys wouldn't do that. But that's what he's saying. He's saying your words can bring you to ruin. In fact, your words can go even further than that. Your words can take you to a point of utter destruction in your life. Proverbs 18, 8. Proverbs 18, 8, he says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. This is the whisper, the gossip. When you're going and saying things behind people's back, it corrupts your own heart. And not only your own heart, but it corrupts the person that you're, you're talking to. Drop down to verse 13. He says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Well, this is more about listening, right? But communication, speaking, listening is what? Probably more than 50%, but it, 67, 80%? In fact, he even says, he says, you should listen first and then hear. The fool speaks more than he listens. How are you at listening? Do you speak on topics quickly about things that you don't know about? Do you, are, you, are you happy to offer an opinion on something you don't fully understand? I mean, we live in that world, right, where people want to just voice their opinion on things that they have no idea about. We see it with Christianity all the time. People voice their opinion on, oh, hey, X, Y, Z, this, Christianity. They have no idea what they're talking about. God calls that person a fool in Proverbs 13, 18, 13. Drop down to Proverbs 18, 20. It says, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Now, the fruit is the harvest. That's the, the results of what's being sowed in your life. So if you speak wicked things, you will reap wicked things in your life. If you speak righteous things, you will reap righteous things in your life. Are your words wicked or are they righteous? Are they pure or are they impure? Proverbs 18, 21, he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now, this verse kind of summarizes my point here. The power of our words, in fact, are so powerful that they have life and death in them. You could use your words to build someone up to the point where they come to know Christ through the gospel. You can make someone a better disciple through your words, but guess what? You can also tear someone down with your words to the point where they reject the gospel or they just become a, a total recluse because of your words. Words are powerful in this way. They can edify or destroy somebody. So, clearly, we need to be much more careful with our words. We have to care about what we say. Do you care about what you say? I mean, you think about how you communicate. The power of our words make us care about our tone. It starts to make us care about the words that we use, the intentionality of our words, the words that we, that we say. We, we, you need to be more thoughtful with those words. When you recognize the power that your words have, it makes you uh, care more about these things. Now, I learned this firsthand not too long ago when Kristen, my wife, my lovely, beautiful wife, was trying on a dress for an event. Now, gentlemen, get your pens ready. Listen up here, boys. Don't do what I did. I looked at her right in the eyes and I said, you're going to wear that to the event? Clearly, I did not mean what I said I said. I did not mean that. What I meant was, look, this event that we're going to, that doesn't really match up with the thing you're wearing right now, right? I didn't say, she looked great. 
but it, it didn't match up with the event, right? Because tone matters, intentionality matters. I, sh I didn't clearly didn't care about what I said in that moment. I wasn't being thoughtful. So guys, write that down. And obviously, God cares about what we say as well. He cares more about what we say than we care, clearly. He cares about your words that you use. Remember, God calls you, if you're a Christian here today, God calls you to a righteous standard. And that righteous standard is perfection. That's perf perfection in your speech as well. So you've got to be careful with what you say. Because God cares about what you say. Because your words can cause you to sin. God calls us to have that pure speech. And did you know, did you know that your speech is a direct reflection of your heart? The Bible says that in Matthew 15. Actually, let's turn to there. Matthew 15, verses 18 through 20. Let's look at this passage together. And this is when the Pharisees were questioning Jesus or questioning uh, his disciples, rather, because they weren't washing their hands before they ate the meal. And that was a tradition that they brought to the point of law, right? Matthew 15, 18 through 20. Let's see this connection. He says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, right? Remember, hatred, adultery, remember, lust, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile anyone. There's a direct connection clearly in the, your actions, your heart, and the things you say. So if you're saying things that are wicked, you're probably consuming things or doing things that are wicked. It could be indicative of a wicked heart that is unchanged. If you're saying things that are righteous and good, that's clearly a perception of your heart, is what Matthew 15 says, is what Jesus is trying to get at. Guys, what influences our heart and our mind? the things that you intake, the things that you consume on a daily basis, the things that you're listening to, the things that you're watching, the people you're hanging out with, these things influence your heart, which therefore influences your speech, and is, as James says, it's destructive and can cause severe damage in your life. Guard yourself against things that are sin sinful media. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's some things today that you gotta get rid of. Let's look back at our passage in James, James 3, 5 through 8. Let's look at this section here. He goes on in, in 5b, he says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, right? Again, he's talking about how this small member of the body can cause incredibly massive damage. In fact, so massive that it can ruin your life. It could ruin your life. The things you say can literally do that. And that's for uh, point number two, Realize your words can ruin your life. Realize that. See that. Recognize that. Understand that the things you say are that important, that they're that powerful, that they can ruin your life, literally. These guys in Arizona figured that out, not with their words, but in a different sense. In Arizona in 2011, the biggest fire happened um, in Arizona's history. Okay? So... 540,000 acres of land burned down. Burned down for, it was a month and a half long, the fire burned. For a month and a half, this fire burned. It burned down 72 structures, 16 people were injured, 
And it caused a, a massive damage collection of $109 million. How'd this happen? Why'd this start? Here's probably why you're think, what you're thinking. Well, two guys forgot to put out their campfire. Two guys were just camping. They had a fun weekend and boop, forgot to put out their campfire. Um, that's sand going into the campfire or water. They forgot to do that. Caused massive damage. This small, little, tiny campfire caused this incredible damage in Arizona. Arizona's largest fire in history because these guys didn't put it out. James makes this really clear in these passages. In fact, he uses that illustration of the tongue being a fire that can cause incredible damage. If you let your words not go unchecked, there's going to be a debt that you have to pay. These guys had to pay $3.7 million in restitutions. Now, maybe your words don't lead to that, but they will cause massive damage. They can ruin your life if you do not check your words on a regular basis. Maybe you're thinking, wow, Roy, ruined my life? That seems pretty drastic. That seems pretty crazy. Well, let me just give you a couple examples, right? It can ruin your life in your future plans, right? You could literally lose a job because of the words you say. You could be fired from a career or a job that you're working in right now because you say something dumb, something wrong, either out loud or to another person. You say it to your boss. You say it to a coworker. You could be fired, and that's on your record forever. It can ruin romantic relationships. I mean, think about it. Some of you guys are dating in this room. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm going to marry this person, right? Well, you guys can break up because you said the wrong thing. Like, guys, if you said the thing I said earlier, maybe you wouldn't be dating the person you're dating anymore, right? I mean, you, you, it can ruin your romantic relationships. It can ruin your social life. I mean, some of you guys know this. You've experienced this, that you've lost friendships because of something someone else said or something that you said. You said the wrong thing, and you lost a friendship over that. Relationships that took years to build, those friendships that took years to build, destroyed because of a few words. Your reputation, right? If you're known as a liar or a deceiver, right? That's words. That's you speaking sinful and unrighteous things. People won't want to hang out with you. You're going to be known as the liar, the, the deceiver, the, right, the gossip in the ministry or in your workplace or at school. If you, don't let, if you don't check your words, if you let your words go unchecked, it can ruin your reputation. It can also ruin your Christian witness, guys. If you're sitting here as a Christian today, there may be some people that you've turned away from the gospel because of some things that you've said, some things you've joked about, some things you've said out of spite or anger, or some things that maybe you didn't, you didn't check your words and it caused that person to, to turn away from the gospel, to turn away from Christianity entirely because of some things you said. We can ruin these various aspects of our lives because we allow for this evil form of speech. You know, I even mentioned some of it. Evil speech can take many forms. It really can. In Proverbs 8.13, write that verse down. Proverbs 8.13, God makes it pretty clear. He says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. That's wicked speech, wicked words, unrighteous um, words. The tongue is dangerous, guys, and it opens us up to a world of unrighteousness, 
a world of sin. Perhaps some of you, maybe it's complaining. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with right now as you complain regularly about situations in your life. 1 Corinthians 10, 9 through 10. I want you to write this down. 1 Corinthians 10, 9 through 10. This is when Jesus is looking, or sorry, Paul is looking back to the Israelites in the desert, number 16. You remember, they constantly are grumbling over their situation, right? And guess what God did? 15,000 people died in that day because of their grumbling. 15,000 people because of their grumbling. Look at the grace that God shows you on a regular basis. Look at the grace that he shows, the love that he shows, the patience that he shows. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 9 through 10, he says it. He says, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Right, going back to Moses, looking at the stat. Verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer because of their complaining, because of their grumbling against a holy God. I mean, think about it. When, when, when your parents ask you to do something, they ask you to do a chore, what's your, what's your gut reaction? I don't want to do it. No, why, why do they make me do that? Make the, make the sister do that. Make the brother do that. It's grumbling. It's complaining. When your teacher gives you homework and you didn't want that, so maybe they gave you homework this break. Oh, are you serious? Come on. Why? I don't want to do that. Right? Maybe it's a friend in your friend group that you're complaining about, either to their face or behind their back, which is another serious sin, right? Complaining is all throughout our speech, and we need to rid ourselves of it. You need to recognize that, that sin in your life. And instead of that, rejoice. Praise the Lord. The way to, the way to put off complaining is by being thankful and praising God. If you're constantly thanking God for the difficult trials that God puts you through because knowing that it's meant to grow you in your faith, it's meant to make you more like Christ, then you will never complain again if you're thankful towards the Lord, if you praise him. Probably for some of you, it's gossip. Talking behind people, oh, hey, I heard Bo Bo said this. Oh, I said, oh, Andrew, you did this? Oh, man, did you hear what Andrew did? Right? That's gossip, guys. If it's not about you, it shouldn't be in your mouth. Talking behind people's back. Proverbs 16, 28, write that. Proverbs 16, 28, he says, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. So when you're gossiping about somebody, you literally could destroy their friendship. You could destroy their reputation and destroy your reputation, as we talked about earlier, as being a gossiping person. So what is your speech like? Are you pure when you're talking behind people's backs? Is your your speech righteous all the time about other people? Here's the thing, guys. If you edify others, if you build other people up, if your words are constantly thinking about how can I make this per- how can I lift this person up? How can I lead this person to Christ in a better way? You'll never gossip. If you care for the soul of that person, if you care about the sanctification of that person, you'll never gossip about that person. Maybe some of you it's obscenity. Guys, this might be more relevant for you because it's about joking making crude jokes. In Ephesians 5, 4, he says, Paul says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, 
let there be thanksgiving. Some of the jokes that maybe you condone, maybe you're not saying them, but you laugh at them and you're okay with them. Guys, it's obscene talk coming out of your mouth. It's foolish. It's unrighteous. It could ruin your life. This is an evil form of speech. And clearly, if you're saying or delivering jokes that you know you shouldn't be doing, it's a form of evil speech. It could ruin your life. Instead, you need to diligently take control of your words. Because in verse 7 and 8, right, he talks about taming these wild beasts, and you can't tame the tongue. All right, James, come on. Give me an impossible task. You can't tame the tongue. He literally means that. But that doesn't mean that we don't strive for it right? You're a Christian here, you know, okay, I can never be perfect in anything, but I strive after it day after day after day after day, growing in your sanctification. David knew this. David, got a man after God's own heart, he knew this. He understood that his words were both dangerous and that he couldn't control them, and he needed the Lord to help him in that. In Psalm 141, verse 3, he says that. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, Keep watch over the doors of my lips. He knew he needed to control it. He knew he couldn't control it. So he relied upon the Lord for help in this area. You need to be daily reliant upon God. Daily reliance upon the Lord to protect you from evil speech. Daily reliance upon God through prayer, through his word, through studying his word, to guard your lips against evil speech. And here's a list of ways. Here's a list of ways that you can do this. Some practical things that you can do to control your words today. Repent and ask for forgiveness of God. That's the first thing you got to do. Identify these things that are in your life, repent of them, and ask God for forgiveness. Let's move forward in righteousness. Find ways to lift other people up. Be seeking in your conversations ways to positively edify other people, your friends, right? I mean, especially as guys, we love to tear each other down, right? And sometimes that's a form of endearment because we like to do that. Yeah, but let's be balanced, men. Let's be balanced here. Let's build each other up. Let's care for one another. If you put other people before yourself, if, if you care about uh, other people more than you care about yourself, It'll, it, you'll control your words because you'll care about how they feel and how they hear your words. Of course, continue in God's word, right? The more you grow in wisdom, the better you'll be able to control your words, the more righteous your words will be. If you're allowing all of this, this bad stuff into your life in, in few moments in the, in the scriptures, well, your words are gonna be dominated by things that are unrighteous. So let's flip that. Have someone hold you accountable in this area, right? Find a friend who can hold you accountable in this area. Some of these verses that we studied even in Proverbs 18, these are great memory verses. Let's memorize these verses. If you memorize these these scriptures, you're going to have ammo in your mind to control your mouth, control your words. And of course, we already talked about it, consume godly things. Think about the things that you're listening to, those podcasts, the music, what kind of words are they using? Because that's going to influence the words that you use in your life. Trust that the Lord can change your heart in this area. Don't feel like this is a hopeless endeavor. If you're a Christian here, you can be better in this area. 
You can grow in your speech if you're reliant upon God, knowing that God can change your heart in this. God can help you in this if you diligently pursue him. So James has a final point in chapter 3. In James chapter 3, verse 9 through 12, he has this final point. So let's look at verse 9. Back in our text, James chapter 3, verse 9, he says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From that same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. This ought not to be so. So I want to point that piece out, right? Our tongues are not to be cursing other people and praising God in the same way, right? So James, like I said before, James just talked about how, oh, you can't control the tongue, but guess what? He also says, but you have to, right? It's necessary. It's vital to the Christian life. It's vital to the the lives around you. As we talked about, you can use it to destroy other people. So clearly in this passage, James is talking about hypocrisy. James is talking about speaking out of two sides of your mouth. James has this this concern with this all throughout his book. In James chapter 1, in James chapter 3, in James chapter 4, he's all talking about the double-mindedness of man and how we should be uh, of one side, righteous or unrighteous, pure or impure. The point is clear. Blessing and cursing, it's hypocritical. So we want to expose the hypocrisy in your words. That's point number three. Expose the hypocrisy in your words. I have this friend who's uh, a terrible driver. Who's the terrible driver in the room? Point him out. Call him out. Point him. Point, yeah, Andrew's looking at somebody. Andrew's looking at somebody. Who's the terrible driver in the room? Ashton's the terrible driver. That's what I just heard. Ashton. Yep. Applause for Ashton. (laughs) So I have a friend who's like Ashton, a terrible driver. And we were driving to this event and while we're driving, now he's the friend that he like, he puts his hand up on the wheel. He's got one hand, right? Thinks he's all cool. It's like, dude, you are not a good enough driver to be to be that relaxed in the, in the driver's seat. So he's driving, right? Well, in, we're in traffic. We're on 405. We, we're in traffic. We're driving to this event, and my buddy pulls out his phone, and he starts looking down and texting. Now, you shouldn't be texting, like, ever, but he really shouldn't be texting ever because we almost crashed literally three times. Like, if I wasn't in the, the passenger seat, we would have slammed into the car in front of us because three times consecutively, the car hit the brakes and he didn't hit the brakes. And I had to be like, hey, hit the brakes. And he did. Now, while we're driving in traffic to this event, this car in traffic cuts my friend off. It wasn't that bad, but he cuts my friend off. My friend goes, wow, are you kidding me? I look at him like, what? (laughs) You? You have the right to say that to this guy? What hypocrisy. What, what, it's crazy. Are you kidding me? You, you're going to say something while you're sitting there texting, almost ruining my life? Here's the thing, guys. Like my friend who's a hypocritical driver, some of you might be hypocritical with your speech. Some of you might be using your words in, in two ways at the same time, as James talks about. Maybe it's a spring of salt water and fresh water. Some of you are, are, are blessing the Lord singing praises to God and then talking about your friends behind your back after the service. Or you're lying or you're deceiving. 
Maybe you speak one way at church and with your friends at church in a different way at school. Maybe you talk to your parents one way and you talk to your friends another way. Maybe you're trying to hide your speech from what it truly is and your heart from what it truly is. Where do you see hypocrisy in your speech? Where are you finding it? You've got to expose that from your life. Expose the speech, the hypocrisy that's in your life. And hypocrisy, guys, it's really just saying something that you don't mean. Or saying something that you really do mean, rather. Saying the opposite thing. And one thing, one, one form of hypocrisy that maybe that we don't think about is flattery. Now, Pastor John talked a little bit about this in his sermon last week. And he, he compelled us to be truthers. Remember that? We're called to be truthers. And, and, and what do you say? Be truthers in love. Speak truth in love. Right? So it's kind of the same idea. Flattery is not speaking truth to somebody. It's you're saying something, trying to build someone up, and you don't actually mean it. And a lot of times, you're hyping your friend up like, oh, girl, you look so cute. You look so pretty. And really, it's because you're insecure in your heart or you're jealous of that person. Right? Guys like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, good job. You lift, you, you weight lift, you just did deadlift, 150, 200 pounds. I don't know what's good. Right? And really, you're like, oh, I can only deadlift like 80 pounds. I mean, that's pretty terrible if you can only deadlift 80 pounds. But you get the point, right? Flattery is saying something that you don't actually mean, but you say it because you're trying to lift someone up. You're trying to build someone up in a, in a way that's actually lying. It's, it's deceiving. It's untrue. Check this out in Proverbs 26. Look at this, look at this passage with me. Turn, to, turn with me to Proverbs 26. We're going to look at verses 24 to 20, 28. Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26, he says, Though this, uh, Proverbs 26, 28. Let me just turn there in my Bible, sorry. All right. 24 through 28. He says, Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips, right, and harbors deceit in his heart. So really, when you're, when you're flattering someone, you actually might be hating that person, because, and that's why you're lying to them. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. One day it will be exposed. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Ruins the life of that person, right? Flattery, it, it hinders correction. It hinders rebuke. It hinders sanctification when you're flattering somebody. Listen to this, Proverbs 28, 23 Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. You know, hear, hear me. Flattery, in the same vein, we don't have enough conflict in our ministry. What are you talking about? We don't have enough conflict. Aren't you talking about building each other up and, ha- and being kind to one another? Positive conflict, right? Calling people out on their their sinful use of speech. That's, that's positive conflict. 
That's conflict that we should see in our ministry. Of course, taking in light with what Pastor John said and, of course, what the Bible says, speaking truth and love towards one another, edifying that person, sometimes comes in the form of rebuke. As we see here, Solomon clearly says it, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. So it's, it's clearly better to be corrected, rebuked, than to be flattered and to be built up in a way that's a lie, that's false. Correction and rebuke of sin. So are you calling out your friend's sins? I mean, this whole, this whole passage or this whole uh, sermon is about your words, but are you calling out your friend's lies? Are you calling out your friend's uh, a sinful use of speech, the, cruel jo- or the crude jokes? Are you calling out a friend's flattery? Sometimes you can't tell if they're flattering or not. We should be calling those things out, holding each other accountable. Another form of wicked speech that we commonly overlook is boasting. Boasting. Right? Talking about something in a way, uh, or talking like with ownership over it. I mean, boasting is really just verbal hypocrisy. Now, maybe some of you uh, are, are not saying, oh, yeah, man, look at this. I did this cool thing. I'm awesome. Look at what I did. No, but what do we do? It's like the humble brag. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just, yeah, I ran a marathon in, in four minutes. Like, no big deal. It's like, yeah, I just do that. It's just a warm-up. Yeah, it's just a warm-up, right? Oh, yeah, I read like 19 books this month. Yeah, no big deal. I'm good. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's boasting. It's verbal hypocrisy. But sometimes it's bigger than that. And I want you to see that boasting in your speech is, is bigger than that. Because here's the thing, guys. If God is the, the gift giver, if everything, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, and then you boast about it, right? That's you taking ownership and authority over something that's, that wasn't yours to begin with. It was a gift given to you. You've got to humble yourself in your speech. Speak honestly with humility. Boasting is, is the opposite of that. Boasting is verbal hypocrisy. So what's the point, Roy? Why are you talking about hypocrisy? Of course, because the passage says it, but hypocritical speech, as James says, it, it ought not to be so of the Christian. It ought not to be so among us as Christians in this ministry. These things should not be within our mouth. Lying and boasting, flattering, these things should not be a part of our speech. Expose this speech in your life. Completely get rid of it. Repent of it. Go to God in prayer. Ask the Lord for for help in this area. Rely upon God. Call your friends out on your sin. Check yourself constantly. Care about your words. Constantly be examining your heart, as Matthew 15 says. The great reformer John Calvin once said, a slender portion of flesh contains the whole world of iniquity. The slender portion of flesh, this, the tongue within your head, with, within your mouth, contains the whole world of unrighteousness and can cause a, a forest, a damage of sin a massive amount of wickedness. Oh, how true this is, guys. How true this is of us. Look, I know this seemed like maybe a negative sermon. I think the passage is implying a negative sermon. But 
I really want you to leave today understanding the importance and the necessity of guarding your speech. I want you to leave this room today and really grasp that your words matter. And if you do this, if you apply this today, you'll be walking down a righteous path of speech that honors God, that glorifies God, and that pleases God. Let's pray about that. God, we are so thankful to you for your word that makes these things so clear to us. We are so thankful to you, Lord, that we have your word that can guide and correct our words. God, what a blessing it is to look at your word today and and to see these, these corrections, to see these rebukes in scripture. God, we know that with our speech, we're not left in the dark, we're not left hanging, but we have your word that can guide us. We have you, your spirit within us, if we're Christians here today, to guide us, to help us with this, to encourage us, to sanctify us. So Lord, I ask that as we leave this room, all of us, myself included, may be better at guarding our, our speech and, and of course, guarding our hearts, which demand, which guides our, our speech. So God, please help us with this. Please help this to be applied today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.